Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to episode 95 of the Six Figure Product Business Podcast. Today is a very exciting day because we have our very first episode about... I need like a rolling knock here. Accounting. (laughs) Accounting is not my jam. I I do not like it. I hate it like going through my QuickBooks and doing my numbers is about as fun as like going to the gynecologist. I'm going to be honest, like it is not fun. So super pumped for today's episode because we have someone on here who knows all about accounting and bookkeeping and your numbers when it comes to that kind of that side of your business. So um, yeah, super excited here because we have not had any podcast episodes about that topic. So we have accounting and bookkeeper superstar, Danielle Hayden. So Danielle is the CEO of Kickstart Accounting, where she helps business owners with bookkeeping, financial analysis, and education. And she's also the author of the Profit Planner book series. So she's amazing. And we had a lot of fun, actually, like surprising, because again, I do not like accounting. And we had a lot of fun talking about the different things when it comes to your numbers and just how to be more educated when it comes to your numbers and accounting, because the more you have a handle on your numbers and, you know, like once you actually go through your QuickBooks and you're like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that between my product and my shipping and my taxes that I'm paying, I'm making no profit. And we always want to make your business a business, not a hobby. And if you're not making any profit, then your business is just a hobby. So we got to get you on the profitable side. And Danielle is bringing all all the the good stuff today. We had a really long conversation and um, super excited to to dive into this episode. So we're going to be talking about things like mistakes that she sees a lot of product businesses making, um, fear over investing in your business. Because again, when you when you know you're having a lot more profit come in, you're more comfortable investing in your business. So like, yes, I can afford that business coach because guess what? That business coach is going to help me make like 3x my revenue or something. Um, and then just we're going to talk about things like metrics that you need to be looking at, um, what kind of investments you should be doing. How do you plan for key milestones? And if you ever want to sell your business, like you want to exit your business, what can you do today? So love this episode. Uh, Super happy to have Danielle on. And again, like we've not had any episodes when it comes to accounting or bookkeeping or anything like this. So this is the first episode on the podcast and it's a really important one for, for you guys to listen to. So grab your coffee, grab your wine, and thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Happy Friday too. Okay. Yeah. Happy Friday. (laughs) So I'm excited about this episode because as we just talked about before accounting and like, yes, I've talked about profit on my podcast and I talk about knowing your numbers in terms of like your revenue and profit and all that. But accounting and bookkeeping and all that kind of stuff is not 
my jam. So I'm happy that you can talk about it. It's co- it's it's really common in the entrepreneurship space, right? Like there's a yep. lot of focus on what's your gross revenue? I want to hit 100K. Yep. And what I want people to start focusing on is 100K in profit, right? So yep. bringing in 100K is great, but I want you to start mm-hmm. thinking about 100K in profit. So like, where are we spending money? And so like, we kind of tend to ignore that. And there is even some like, some conversation about like costs, like profitability, just revenue minus cost of goods sold. Mm -hmm. However, but like, it takes so much more than that to run a business. So like, are we profitable period? Like at the end of the day, do we have a profit or not? Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I am so excited to be here. This is my, obviously my favorite topic. And, um, you know, I I always say if I can help one person with each episode that I do, um, you know, it's well worth the time. Yeah. And you will be helping people because I often get questions around like how long this is probably when it comes to like numbers and stuff, people always ask, what should my profit be? And then I I would say the first question is when will I be profitable? I've launched my e-commerce business six months ago, eight months ago, when will I actually be profitable? And I'm like, well, that's not that's not like an A or B question that d- totally depends on your business, how much you spent initially, what you're spending now. I mean, you can't just give a blanket answer. Oh, well, you will be profitable in nine and a half months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, usually I tell people like expect losses your first year, maybe even up to yeah. your first three. However, you can change that story, right? Like, you can change how profitable you become and how quickly you become mm-hmm. by your habits as a business owner. And so what habits do you have? I'm all about the habits lately. So what habits do we have that are creating your business and creating whether or not you have profit in your business, how much money you're taking home? Mm-hmm. And we can talk a little bit about like what are some healthy margins and healthy spending habits. Um, there are some, some really clear percentages that we put together. Um, However, if you're going over them and you're not like, that's going to be a personal story for you. Yeah. I love it. Tell us a little bit about just like how you, cause I know you have your own business and you do, you have a podcast, you do lots of interesting things. Tell us a little bit quickly, just your background and kind of how you ended up where you are today. Yeah. So, um, Windy road, like most entrepreneurs, I was, uh, a hairdresser. So I do have both sides of the brain. Wow. Yes. I was a hairdresser and I fell in love with the numbers part of being a hairdresser. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize it at the time, uh, but I was all about, you know, how do I hit the next commission structure and the bonus structure? Like what numbers, right? How many haircuts do I need to do? How many colors? And then I started to work with the other hairstylists and I said, all right, well, you need to get this many. And if we all get this many, then we'll hit the bonus as a salon and we can all, you know, like I coach them on hitting their numbers. Well, I went to school for, for, uh, I actually went back to school for business management. I wanted to open up my own hair salon. Oh, and okay. wow. uh went to an accounting class and realized I got it. Like it came so naturally to me and I really enjoyed accounting. And here I switched majors, switched my entire career, ended up spending 10 years in corporate as a CFO. Wow. And when I look back at that experience, you know, mm-hmm. I will I I'm glad that it brought me back to entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that it, that that journey made its full circle but it all makes sense, right? I loved the numbers and how we could all hit our goals together by using the numbers and, and digging into what we're doing and, and how it, how it's helping us and what we're doing and how it's hurting, hurting our numbers. And that's exactly what I get to do with every single one of our our clients now is help them understand the numbers to figure out what's working and not working in their business. I love that. And one thing that sort of popped out to me as you're talking, and I'm also, as you're talking, thinking back to my early days of when I launched my first business and I literally had no freaking idea what I was doing, what I was looking at, what numbers should I be looking at? Um, So it just got me thinking of like the first thing I want to ask. And also, I feel like I need to also unpack your background because that's so interesting. (laughs) Like going from a hairdresser to an accounting CFO, then opening up your business. I think that that's so cool. And it does show you, cause I think people get really stuck on, well, I went to school for this. And so my whole life has to be planned out. And actually mm-hmm. it doesn't, you can literally pivot tomorrow if you feel like you're not happy with what you're doing. So I like your or, story. That's so interesting. 
or I'm creative. And so I can tell myself a story that I'm not good with money. I'm not good with the numbers. Like you can be creative. I I can still be creative and be good with numbers. You can still be creative and good with numbers. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Let's talk about that because I think that that's so true. And I definitely hear that all the time. Um, Yeah. I don't know what it is about your numbers and like the financials that scares the shit out of people. <laughs> like well, I, they so, just avoid it like the plague. Like I can't even log into my QuickBooks because whatever I'm going to see is going to be terrifying. So I'm just going to ignore it for six months. Yeah. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot behind it. So <laughs> it's really interesting. When I, when I first started the business, I came out as, from being a CFO. So for me, I was working with board of directors, CEOs, um, you know, investors who, when they looked at the numbers, it was like, mm-hmm. what do the numbers say? What do the trends yeah. say? Let's make the decision. And so I mm-hmm. thought all de- business decisions were black and white like that. Like maybe they're a little bit of shade of gray, but it was black and white with the numbers. I was shocked when I got into entrepreneurship and I kept on hearing words like money mindset. And I'm like, get over it. There's no money mindset. It's make the business decision to move on. I quickly realized that we all have money mindset and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it comes from our childhood, um, how our parents talked about money, how yeah. our grandparents talked about money, right? Like all of these stories that we've brought with us and created it throughout our life, we're now carrying into entrepreneurship. I uh, just recently had somebody on, on my podcast who we were talking about um, you know, why she avoided her number. Like she recognized that her mindset was avoidance. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her, I said, well, what was the tone around money growing up? And what she realized was that the tone around money was that it was never talked about. Like it was avoided. Mm-hmm. And the only time that she ever heard her parents talk about money was when her dad started their first, his first business and there was scarcity around it. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the business was doing well, they went back to avoiding the topic altogether. And so for <laughs> her, the only conversation around money was fear and scarcity. And so you can understand why she now wants to avoid her, her, her numbers because it's going to bring up those, those emotions. So I think it's okay, right? Like it's all right for us to all understand that we do have this money mindset. And instead of being like, I'm not a numbers person. I have money mindset issues. Like next, I'm just going to run my business in the dark. Yeah. We say, all right, we all have this. How do I overcome mine? Like, what do I need to do in order to be able to create the better habits? I love that so much. And that just made me think of a book. So do you know Jen Sincero? Oh, I don't think you so. heard of her. She's an author. She has a book called you. You're a badass at making money. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I and then she that. has like, she has other books and I just read one of her recent ones and it's, it's, it's like the titles are all similar. So I actually, know yeah, they're all, it's a, titles. you're like, you're a badass at whatever. Yeah. I'm reading the yeah. yellow book, the badass at making money, I think was the green one. I can't remember, yes. but yeah. she talks a lot about what you just said. Like so many of us have these like deep rooted issues around money and it all stems really from like, how is, did you talk about money growing up? Did your parents say money doesn't grow on trees? And, you know, do you have that like exactly like what you just said, you'll like her book. I would definitely recommend, um, like, do you have scarcity around money? And, you know, when you think of money, do you think of the positive things that it can bring you and not, Oh, money is the root of all evil. And it's like, it's so interesting, but yeah, I love her books. And I also recently just read, I'm sort of just now talking about books, but, um, I just read rich dad, poor dad for the oh, first time. I, I mean, loved it. Yes. yes like, I read that a long time ago. It really so transformed good. me. I literally read it and like, t- I sat down twice and the book was finished and I'm yeah. not like we talked about earlier. I, I, I like being aware of numbers and, in financials, but going into QuickBooks and updating my account is like probably my least favorite thing to do on the entire planet. But like that book and the conversations around money and all that is so interesting. Really, really well, interesting. I'm glad you said that. So, you know, there's there's two pieces of of the the like the money piece of business, and one of it is understanding your numbers, which to me means. Be then being able to use them to 
empower your personal wealth, right? So that's yep. where books come in, like Richard Portad, that's going to help you empower your entire personal life, right? That's going to yeah. help you create wealth in your life. But if you don't know your business numbers, you're not going to be able to have that wealth in your in your life. But that doesn't always correlate to actually updating QuickBooks, right? So mm-hmm. that is a very different task. That is a task that you need training and expertise and understanding uh, because unless you went to school for accounting, right? Like why would you ever know how to use QuickBooks or be good at it? Like it would be categorizing things wrong way, which I literally, I thought my profit last year was totally different because I categorized my number, my, um, expenses the wrong way. So, right. Exactly. So it's not like (laughs) it would, it would be like me expecting myself to be an engineer, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. I'm not an engineer. I didn't have that training. And so I don't know why we as business owners expect ourselves to understand bookkeeping. It wasn't your training. Mm -hmm. And so there's kind of two pieces of that money category aspect of your business where, you know, yes, it's like mindset, understanding the numbers, and then there's actually doing the behind the scenes work. And I truly believe that if we should all stay in our uh, zone of energy and our zone of genius, and it usually is not bookkeeping. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I literally just had a conversation with someone a couple of days ago about this because, um, well, I was actually had a conversation with the bookkeeper and I was telling her like, yeah, I literally updated all of these numbers in this category. And then I realized it wasn't pulling it from my profit and loss thing. And so I thought my profit was actually way higher. And then I realized, oh wait, no, it's not higher. Um, yeah. So I agree with you. We need to stay in our lane. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like the point that you also talked about, which I would love to dive into a little bit is you said something like knowing your numbers helps you to something about empower, like make empowered decisions. Or I think you talked about your personal life, but how do you feel like being aware of your numbers and you know your financials can help you make empowered decisions, not just based on assumption, based on okay, well, this is how much money I've made. This is how my money is going. I believe now. I feel like I, I can invest in X, Y, or Z. <laughs> So, um, this is my favorite client story. She knows I tell this story about her all the time and <laughs> I love it. I love stories. Permi- she was giving me permission to. So we had a client who came to us a few years ago and she asked me to help her learn how to run her business at a loss. And I said, okay, that's kind of a weird request, but I'll bite. Let's, let's do it. Um, so we did what we call a catch up, which means we put all of her transactions in for the year into QuickBooks. And at the time it was October. So we put all her transactions in and afterwards I, we, when our catch ups are complete with our clients, we set up a call to review all the numbers and, and help them, them understand them. And I said, I, I have good news and bad news. I said, um, the good news is that you don't have a a loss. And so I don't need to teach you how to run your business at a loss. The bad news is that it is now October and you are going to have a pretty hefty tax bill and you're not prepared for that. Hmm. Now, the reason I'm telling the story is because if she would have continued to think that she was operating her business at a loss, Mm -hmm. she would have went into the next year with a mindset of scarcity. I don't have money to invest in myself. Mm-hmm. I don't have money to invest in my business. I can't redo my website. I can't go to these networking events. I can't attend the conference. She would have had a scarcity mindset. Instead, because she understood that she was not only profitable, but that she was able to take owner's draws, she was um, she was able to understand and feel empowered mm-hmm. and confident that, wow, I get to invest in my business. I get to, um, I get to go to the conference that's going to teach me empowerment. Right. And I feel empowered to spend mm-hmm. that money. And, and I watched her completely transform her business. The next year she hit six figures in, in, in revenue I've since watched her continue to floor. She has employees. She pays herself on payroll now. She bought a house last year. But without those numbers, she wouldn't have made any of those investments into her business. And I I could almost guarantee you she would have been back working at nine to five. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a really good story. Um, 
I feel like there's like so many interesting points, but yeah, I think when you don't know your numbers, you like, you can't make good decisions because you're not sure. But the thing that really stands out to me is the confidence thing. It's something that I talk quite a bit about on, you know, on my podcast and like with my one-on-one clients and my students is when you know that you're like either on the right track or you see success in your business, whether it's a baby step success, like you made a couple hundred dollars more than last month. Like it's still something. And I think once we do get those wins in our business, our confidence skyrockets and then everything else changes because I mean, I believe when you have a positive mindset and a positive attitude and you feel like, okay, I am on the right track. I know what I'm doing. Everything else goes up from there. But when you're like, oh, my business isn't working. I didn't make any profit last year. Like you start to then doubt yourself. It has nothing to do with your business. It becomes like, I am not good enough. I am not doing a good job. It literally affects everything that you do. So yeah. And if you don't understand why, right? Like she was just operating her, her business from her bank account and her gut. And the problem was that her, as an LLC, you take owner's draws. And so that's how you pay yourself. And she was taking owner's draws and paying down debt. And so she didn't understand where her cash was going, Mm. but the cash was leaving, but she didn't understand the impact to her financials. She didn't understand the impact on her numbers and the impact on her business. And so I think it's knowing your numbers can be the number one way to improve your mindset. And think about one other thing. Even if it said that she had a loss, she would then understand that she had a loss and been able to do something about it, right? She would have been able to see where am I spending money and do those expenses continue to align with my goals? And do I need to be spending that money there? Do I need to raise my prices, right? Am I charging enough? And so either way, it was going to be either a lesson learned where she got to make improvements and make changes and learn from the things that worked or didn't work in the previous year. Um, and, and still like, it's still an empowering story, right? Because then she, you turn it into an opportunity to learn. So it doesn't have to be something that you're always scared of. I think I, I talk about this a lot. It's like the report card effect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we get our report cards as kids, they told us if we were passing or failing and, now, when as an entrepreneur, you see pulling your financial statements as a report card. And just because you're not profitable doesn't mean you're failing. Yeah, I love that. No, it's so true. And like I'm as you're talking again, I, I keep thinking back to my early days of, of my business. So I had a pet subscription box business. And when I first started the business, again, like I don't even think I had QuickBooks for the first. I don't know exactly when I started to use QuickBooks. I want to say maybe after six months or so, and definitely a huge mistake. Anyone listening that does not have an accounting software, please just, there's so many ones you can use. I think QuickBooks is relatively easy. I know there's other ones you can use, but please set up accounting because you do not want to, again, be working. And I know some people work off spreadsheets. If that's what you're doing, that's great. At least you're keeping track of something. I didn't literally didn't keep track of anything my first. I well, think, um, sp- spreadsheets aren't good enough in my opinion. So how yeah. how often do you forget to write something down on a spreadsheet? Right. I, I mean, I yeah, I and I and and the business owner who's doing that, you, you know, you're losing out on business deductions. So the the reason isn't because it's not good enough. The re- the reason that I say that is because I don't want you to pay any more into the IRS than you have to, (laughs) right? Like I I'm trying to protect you. Um, I I want you to get the deductions. And, and so what we find with our clients, the best strategy that's worked with our clients is separate your business and personal, right? That's 100% separate. And then you use your business card for everything business and you stop leaving it up to your memory. You, you keep everything on that business card, you log everything in your accounting system, and that way you're not dependent on your memory. And then you don't have to wait for tax time when you're starting to look at all these deductions. You can start to look at that information every month, every quarter, and be able to make changes as you go throughout the year. Yeah, that's so good. I love it. Um, 
Yeah, it's not having accounting is not good. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself because I I I do think I, it took me a few months to sign up for QuickBooks of some capacity. So we all make mistakes, um, but that's how we learn and that's how we grow. But yes, having an accounting software saves you time and then you know sort of what things look like. What are some mistakes? What are the biggest mistakes that you see people making with their bookkeeping or accounting or anything in that capacity? What kind of mistakes do people make? Yeah. So um talking to the person who's just starting out first, mm-hmm. um, commingling business and personal. Um, a lot of people say, well, I'm just going to transfer money back and forth. I don't care. Transfer money back and forth. (laughs) But when you say combining business and personal, do you mean that you have like, you only have like a personal card and you upload that into like an accounting? Like, no, no. So you have a personal checking account, personal debit card, personal credit card. When you take your family out to dinner, you use your personal card. Okay. And then you have a business checking account, a business credit card, business debit card. And that's the card that you, if you take a client out to dinner, you, mm-hmm. or whatever vendor, whatever it might be, you use your business credit card. If you okay. go to target and you're buying clothes as well as some pens, pencils, and printer paper, right? You put the clothes on the personal card and the p- printer paper on the business card. Okay. The cleaner you can be, the <laughs> And and I know it's difficult. I'm laughing because I've told you. <laughs> look, look, you don't have to be cra- <laughs> crazy about it. Well, what's the purpose of the clothes, right? Of the clothes for a photo shoot. Well, then, then that's fine. You can yeah. buy clothes for a photo shoot. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you're calling me out, Danielle. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but but a photo shoot's okay, right? Like you can buy clothes for a photo shoot that is a business expense. And so mm. I don't want people to get so scared of using their business account that they leave again, money on the table for uncle Sam mm. to take because that is a business expense. And so take the deduction. Um, so I really want you to keep those things really separate. So okay, what I hear people saying is, well, I'm not taking owner's draw. So I just put my personal expenses on my business card. And the answer is no, you have to take an owner's draw, transfer the money into your personal checking account. Um, The IRS wants to see this separated. Um, It is a requirement that they have. Your bookkeeper wants it separated. It's going to keep it really clean and easy um, easy to use. And then you actually know how your business is performing. If you're commingling all the time and your business is showing a loss, are you really losing money? Don't like you want yeah, to know how your business is actually performing. Um, okay. so that's that's mistake number one for the for you know new new startup. You have second really good example. About, I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, we talked about the second example, not getting an accounting software using using uh like a Google Sheet or an Excel file. So that's that's mistake number two. Um, mistake number three is saying. I'm not a numbers person. And so I'm just going to put my head in the sand. Right. I don't, Mm -hmm. I, it's like by saying that they've given themselves a pass on having to do it. Mm -hmm. And that is a mistake. You, you know, we gave a really, really good example of why you need to know your, your, your numbers and have that time in place for you to look at them on a regular basis. I've been working a lot with our clients on developing habits. So um, you know, atomic habits, James clear, he talks a lot about, um, establishing habits and routines and tying a reward to them. And so one thing that I do for myself, I love going to the coffee shop and getting a good cup of coffee and just being out and about for the day. I just, I love the atmosphere. And so I try to tie the really difficult task that I have in my business with that event. And so my reward for completing the task is that I get to go to the coffee shop, have the cup of coffee and do it in the environment that I love. Mm. And so I'm tying it on, you know, on the specific day of the week minus Thursday. So every Thursday I go to the coffee shop and I complete this work. So if you can start to tie habits to reviewing your numbers, um, find how you can hold yourself accountable and how you can create those habits around looking at your numbers, because that really is the number one mistake that I see business owners making is just putting their head in their, their sand in the sand and just ignoring it. 
Um, you can use your bookkeeper. I call it your money team as an accountability partner. So one thing that we do for our clients is set up regular standing meetings. So we'll say to them, Hey, let's just meet on the second Friday of every month. And that is our accountability meeting, right? We, we had a client this morning. She's like, well, I don't really think I need to schedule next month. Yeah. I don't think too much will change. And I'm like, no, like it's part of your service. You, yeah, it gives you the opportunity to take a moment, step out of working in your business, Mm -hmm. have a conversation celebrate for a minute. Like this woman's killing it. She's she's like tripled her revenue uh, over the last year. And part of what we did on the call today was just celebrate the fact that she's, she's doing so well and that she's showing a profit. And so take a moment with your money team and celebrate your success and figure out what things aren't working so that you can move forward with energy. Um, And then lastly, the other biggest mistake that I see is not paying yourself. So there's, uh, there can be a lot of scarcity around paying yourself. Like, I just want to leave the money in the business. I want to keep on reinvesting it. I want to reinvest it in myself. I want to do trainings and, 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 um, or I want to, I want to buy future equipment, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But there is a fear around paying them, paying yourself as a business owner. And mm-hmm. I would love, for everyone, the minute you start generating revenue to get in the habit of taking an owner's draw so that you don't hit burnout, you don't get resentful of your business, and you're used to the practice of getting getting yourself paid as a priority. I love that. That's actually something that the rich dad, poor dad talks about in that, that one piece, like really stuck in my head because he was talking about how you should pay yourself first before anything else. And I was like, it's kind of an interesting way to think about it. And he was, I forget like what he said about that, but anyway, just sort of saying like, you'll figure out how to pay the bills, but it's important that you always put yourself first and pay yourself like right when the money comes in. So I think that's interesting. That's a probably, I know a common mistake or a common thing for a lot of people is like, well, I don't have enough money to pay myself or, um, yeah. And it could just be stemmed in fear. What if people are making a lot of money? Do you recommend just, even if it's like a hundred dollars, $50, you, like you just start, something you start small, you start where yeah. you're at today, right? It's about, I like that. <clears throat> it's about starting where we're at today and going from there. So what mm-hmm. can you afford today? It might just be a hundred dollars off of each invoice that you pay. It could be, yeah. uh, it could be fifty dollars. I, you know, it doesn't matter. It, the idea is that you start to establish that 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 habit. Yeah, I love that. And do you also recommend, just since we're on this topic of like paying yourself and all that, not that this is paying yourself, but do you recommend when people do like each month, people go through their numbers and then move a little bit of money over to like an account for t- paying taxes or things like yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. So, um. I love Profit First, a big Mike Michalowicz fan. I think the entire program can be very overwhelming for a new business owner. So I don't Mm -hmm. recommend people who are starting out to start with Profit First. However, I do recommend uh, setting aside... 20, between 20 and 30% of your net income. You do not have to do it on your gross sales. I want you to take your sales minus all of your operating expenses. And that is what you need to save 25% of. And, and, and I like to put it in a separate account so that it's not in my operating account. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a side, right? Like it's not part of my for use funds. Okay. That makes sense. That's a good tip. Um, and then when it comes to like looking at your numbers and things of that, what kind of metrics do you think people should be sort of aware of, or just kind of keeping their eye on? Yeah. So there's, this can be an overwhelming time, right? Like we can do a whole podcast on just (laughs) what to look at and when, um, and, and so I don't, I don't want anyone to get, um, I don't want anyone to get overwhelmed, but there's you know, there's just like a few key, like if you were to look at, at just a few key numbers, um, your net, um, your profit margin. So sales minus cost of goods sold, um, understand your profit margin. So what does that look like month to month? What does that look Mm -hmm. like year over year? So looking at trends, um, and then I want you to look at your operating expenses. So, um, we, we run two reports for our clients. So when we send our clients their, their monthly financials, they get a series of reports, but 
two of my favorite is um, your expenses laid out as a percentage of sales. So it shows you how much of your sales are, are being spent into each category, which okay. could be really eye-opening. How much am I spending in training? How much am I spending in payroll? How much am I spending for my contractors? And does it align with my goals, right? So if my goal is to have um, some work-life balance and this year I've invested in hiring contractors and employees, then it ex- then I can expect more of my sales to be um, going to that category as I start to work towards having a better work-life balance. However, if I'm working 80 hours a week and I don't have any, you know, I don't have any contractor expense, but I have a ton of um, maybe advertising and marketing expenses. That's going to make more sense, right? I'm working mm-hmm. on growing my business and I have not hired help yet. So you might look more profitable. However, um, you're not you're not having the same spending habits as somebody who is is investing in that work life balance. So um, understanding where your money is going in terms of a percentage of sales, uh, and then I I love to look at the profit and loss statement for the last twelve months. So we call it the rolling yeah. twelve, and there's a few reasons for this. The rolling twelve can help us look at seasonality of our business. We mm-hmm. all have some type of seasonality. And instead of freaking out when you get to that season <laughs> saying, oh my God, where did all the sales go? You can yeah. start to understand, I need to run a campaign or maybe I need to take a vacation during that time. But what's the seasonality? And then there's seasonality into your spending as well. Um, you know, what programs are you enrolling in? When 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 do you have to pay for them? Maybe you have an annual insurance payment that's that takes a large chunk of change. How can you start preparing for those large um, dips in income and expenses? And I know if you have not been in business yet for 12 months and you're like, you know, I cannot run any of that. That's okay. <laughs> Just start to run what you have and start to look at the information. You're going to get there. Yeah. Oh, those are really good tips. I like that. I feel like there's just so much to talk about when it comes to, um, you know, numbers and, you know, metrics. I personally love the profit and loss too, especially for a product business because, you know, product versus like a service-based business, like my current business now, my, what I spend money on is not physical inventory shipping. I spend my money on outsourcing contractors, my pot, like someone doing my podcast, my VA, my team, et cetera. But for a product business, your money, most of your money actually goes towards inventory, freaking shipping and all that crap. Oh, and you are feeling it this year, um, <laughs> yes. between the shipping yes. costs and the cost of, yes. um, materials, you know, we're, mm-hmm. it's something that a lot of our clients have come to us to, to talk about, um, you know, how to overcome the challenges of an increase and mm-hmm. in, in those those costs and other places that they places that they can cut so that they can, um, yeah, you know, be still be able to stay in business while they're, um, yeah, going through this. And that's like that that literally goes to the point of what you're talking about. Why it's important, even if it's scary for you even if you look at your numbers and you're like, Oh my God, I'm actually making no, no profit right now. Even, even though that's really hard and it's very scary and it's actually really depressing. The sooner, you know, that information, the sooner you can know, you can be informed to change things like, wow, I need to increase the price of my product by 20%. Like if someone's going to pay $10 for your dog toy or your hair scrunchies, guess what? They'll also pay $12 or $13. And by increasing your price by a couple of bucks across the board, now you've just been able to get more profit in your business. So I think being, being aware of the numbers is very important and something like I've struggled with early on in my business too. It is scary, especially when you go through those numbers and you're like, Ugh, like my business isn't doing well. I'm not making any profit. I didn't realize how much money I'm spending on shipping. And I didn't realize how much money I'm spending on, you know, when you order product, you also have to pay for shipping to get the product delivered to you. And then you're paying shipping to ship product to the customer. Shipping is a huge expense that most of us sort of just forget about. So the sooner you can at least be aware of what you're spending money on, you can say, okay, you know what? I'm going to look at my profit and loss. And I realize that 70% of the money that's coming in is going right out to all this inventory. So you know what? How can I like, you know what? I have 
$10,000 of inventory sitting in my house. Instead of buying new stuff, I'm going to focus on getting rid of all the inventory and selling it. And now you can make more money that goes in your pocket. So yeah. And, and there's, you know, if you see that you're spending a lot of money on shipping, you know, are there different vendors that you can be using? So, Mm -hmm. um, are there diff- different ways that you haven't thought about to get different discounts? Um, and then same with your inventory costs. Can you, when is the last time you looked at manufacturing drop shipping? Um, you know, with the ri- rising costs of, of shipping, maybe drop shipping wasn't worth it a year ago, but it's worth it today. Um, so it's constantly a, seeing what the numbers are so that you can be asking yourself those questions and constantly be evaluating your business. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's like, that's literally why it's so important to like have a handle on your numbers. And again, why working off of a spreadsheet maybe isn't the best you know option. Cause when you do have it in an, in an accounting software, it, you can see everything at one time. And I know for me, like the profit and loss statements were very eye-opening, but very necessary <laughs> to keep to keep your eye on. <laughs> they are um, so necessary, yes. Yeah. And then in terms of just you're trying to grow your business, you're trying to make more money, how do you advise people on like those investments? Like getting a team member, um, hiring a coach, like how do you because I know in your in your service, I think you also advise people on maybe how they yeah. should be spending money. So what if someone came to you and they said, well, I'm making this much money. I'm not sure I can afford like a business coach, or I'm not sure I can afford X, Y, and Z. Like, how do you, how do you handle those situations? Yeah. So I would definitely advise you to contact your money team and walk through the scenario with them. So what would your financials look like? Had you had that person in the previous year? Mm-hmm. Um, or let's just talk about hiring. Um, let's like, let's go, let's stick to that a specific one. So we have, um, we actually have a, a hiring worksheet that we use with our clients where Ooh, we'll go right. through and yeah, it's really cool. Um, what is the cost of pre-hire, right? So posting the position, um, um, background checks, credit checks. Um, like what do we need to do before we even find the candidate? Maybe an applicant tracking system, um, whatever we need in order to be able to get to that, that candidate. Now we find the right person. We have to make them, them the offer post hire. We have computers and laptops, um, maybe a monitor and equipment. We have training time. Um, think about gifts, sending them flowers on day one, uh, training materials, maybe a conference that they need to attend. So laying out, being crystal clear, what is the pre-hire cost and then post-hire cost? And then what are the reoccurring charges? So one thing that our clients are always, they always forget is that now that person might need a Calendly link and a paid Zoom link. And uh, maybe you use a CRM software or a contract management software, depending on what this person's going to be doing. And no, they should not share your login. What are all the different subscriptions that they're going to need to now have have their own subscription to? And so what are the ongoing costs of that of that role? Knowledge is power, okay? <laughs> right. Yep. I know this all feels daunting, but once you list this all out, you can understand how much money you need to have saved and you can mm-hmm. work towards towards hiring that person. And so maybe this month you work towards the pre-hire costs and then next month you start to work towards the tr- the money that you're going to need to cover to purchase the laptop and and training. Once you have that money saved, now how does that change the interview process for you? right? Like it makes that really empowering. I'm now showing up confidently that I can take this person on. I can take this responsibility on knowing that I have enough money to pay them for the next three months until they are able to help me either take things off my plate so I can generate more revenue or be revenue generating themselves. Hmm, That's so interesting. I know a lot of um, my one-on-one clients who I work with, I often will, you know, not tell them they have to do something, but advise them (laughs) probably just like you do, you know, you give people your best advice, but (laughs) if you are spending your time on, in my, like I'm in a mastermind program and my business coach calls them and I, I, I have to use it because it's such a great expression. He calls them your $10 an hour tasks. So 
the things in your business that you're doing that are really not something that you as like the CEO of your company, even if you're a small business, you know, you are like the leader of your company. You don't need to be doing those types of things. Those are things that you outsource to someone else, like a VA, for example. And, um, oftentimes the clients that I work with, they are, you know, spending all day on packing orders, stuffing boxes, going to the post office, like scrolling on Instagram, making graphics in Canva, like all the things that yes, need to get done in your business, but they, it doesn't mean that you have to do them. Those are perfect things for an assistant. And, and I'm actually about to record a podcast episode um, on something around this topic. So I don't want to like dive too deep into this, but like, how can you hire someone when you think you can't afford it, which is basically most people, like most people will say, I can't afford to hire someone, but you're not, you're forgetting, like, what about the mom that lives in your neighborhood who would love to come and help you for one hour per week packing orders, you know, or you can find a VA that could, you know, do your social media and creating your Canva graphics for you and check your email two hours per week. You know, those are things we can afford. I think we, we jump into like, and I know I've done this in my business too, when it comes to hiring, it can be really scary, but like we jump into, oh, I have to have like a full-time employee on my team when in fact, oh, like yeah. contractors, like contract employees are the best things ever. And there's no proper, I mean, I don't want to say there's no commitment, but like, it's much less of a commitment or scary than having someone on your team that you've hired as like a proper employee where you have to do all those other stuff. So I think it's important to think that like, we don't, you don't need to have like five full-time employees. Yeah. You can start where you are. Right. So mm-hmm. I do recommend everybody start where you are today. Um, and I love the idea. We, we use the grading system. So what are my ABC tasks? So mm-hmm. what are, what are the tasks that only I can do? They're a, love what are the that. tasks that, that I could train somebody else to do their B? What are the yep. tasks that somebody can easily do for me? Those are C. Yep. Maybe you have all the letters of the alphabet, right? Like you could have more categories than that. <laughs> um, I just like to keep things really, really simple. Um, and those are the types of tasks that, that as you're a growing entrepreneur, you can start to think about hiring a consultant or a contractor mm-hmm. to just take the C tasks. And maybe it's just a handful yeah. of the C tasks, right? And you can even categorize the C tasks between like marketing type tasks, admin type tasks, um, you know, organization type tasks so that it's really, really clear. I, I may, I might need three contractors, which might sound really overwhelming to you. However, each person has their own specialty. Does my, should my marketing contractor really also be doing my shipping for me? Probably not. I might need three different individuals and you can use the same exercise that I just talked about with the hire, with the hiring tool for an employee. You Mm -hmm. use that for a contractor. How much would it cost that you can go online, do some due diligence? How much would it cost to to bring that person person in? Now you're still going to need to train them no matter what. So how much money do you need to have saved in order to be able to bring them on as a contractor, be able to pay them for their training time until they are taking things off of your plate or revenue generating or somehow... Um, allowing you more time and bandwidth. So mm-hmm. by having that money and savings, now I can really confidently hire a contractor. Start today, right? If you mm-hmm. if you are starting to feel overwhelmed and you know, all right, I'm probably going to have to hire, a, hire some help in the next six to 12 months. Don't wait. I want you to have a, a savings account for future contractors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then always the one thing I'll say that, accounting HR, watch that as you hire your first contractors and they begin working with you, that you really do treat them as a contractor. Um, you do need to watch, especially what state you're in, that that you are working within the right um, expectations between a contractor and an employee. Um, we have found with our clients, it's more inexpensive to hire them on as an employee if they start to get towards the gray area than you ever having to pay the IRS penalties. So I would like you to every six months, look through your list of contractors and who you're working with. And are they starting to creep into employee uh, territory? And Mm -hmm. does it make sense to start to think about payroll? Um, 
payroll isn't as daunting as it used to be. Right. So I know when I say payroll, people are like, no, it's expensive. I can't afford it. It's really not. Um, there's a company called Gusto. Um, you can have, Gusto is amazing. I love them. Um, you can have your money team, your bookkeeper help you, um, set the whole thing up for you. So when we work with our clients, we, they don't even have to do anything. We set the whole thing up for them. And it's a really easy to use self-serve model for both you and your contractors. So um, it doesn't need to feel so daunting and when you need to hire an employee, but start where you are, start where you are today, and then you can continue to grow. I love that. Thank you. And thanks for breaking that down into like, look at your A tasks and then B ones. I love that. I think that's, it's very important. So yeah, I do it personally. So yeah. I love it. Um, and then I just have one more question. I have one more question. Then I just have like a quick question. Um, so a lot of people ask me about selling their business. You know, I sold my subscription box business in 2019 and it was, you know, definitely like my proudest accomplishment that I've done. But people always ask me, how do I get to a place where I can sell my business? My profit is so bad that like, I don't think anyone would buy my business. Do you have any tips on how to sort of plan ahead or plan early so you do have a sellable business? Yeah. So people wait to start to think about this. So if you're Mm -hmm. a newbie in business, you need to start thinking about it today because you never know what the future holds. Mm -hmm. Um, First and foremost, um, when you go through what is called the due diligence process. So when somebody comes in to buy your business, they are going to do what's called due diligence. So mm-hmm. they are going to ask you for your contracts. They're going to ask you for financial information. And you need to have that in a very clean, accurate, organized fashion in order to be able to supply it to them. And it is a delicate relationship with somebody who might come in to purchase your business. So mm-hmm. when you hand them the, your financials, you need to know that they're accurate. You need to know that they're up to date. Um, you cannot wait uh, to, you can't get them up to date the day that you have somebody who comes to go, comes to inquire about your business. Because like, for instance, it takes us three to four weeks to do a catch up. So for one year. And so if you came to us and said, I need the last three years worth of my bookkeeping done. It would take us at least four to six weeks to do your bookkeeping, plus then get our tax account involved to do your your uh, tax returns because you have to have all that information in order to be able to supply that to the potential buyer. And so I cannot stress enough how much having clean, accurate, on-time bookkeeping is going to position you in a way that not just to be able to sell your business, but to get the best value for your business. So if you have financials, but they aren't categorized correctly, Mm -hmm. um, that's going to devalue your business and they're going to give you less money because um, one, they can't understand the information. It's it's not as trustworthy for them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not clear. So you want to be thinking about the end in mind today. And then the other piece of this, that's not really accounting focus, but I talk about this all the time. Um, the book built to sell mm. is, um, have you read it? No, but I want to write that down. Right. John Warlow. He is built to sell. Love yeah. It. He is, um, absolutely amazing. I love him. Um, he wrote a book that, and I just recently heard him on a podcast and he told his whole story. So he has his own show. He's um, frequently in other people's shows. So you can really go down, down a rabbit hole, but read, start with, start with a book. Um, he talks about how the, you cannot be the business in order for it to be sellable. And so if you are making any of the goods, if you are doing the shipping, uh, you can't be the person who is performing all of the tasks in the business, because then that's not sellable. You need to start to think about standard operating procedures. So how could you hand somebody a booklet? I think I like to think of it as the binder, right? I can Mm -hmm. hand somebody a binder and now they can do what I do just as well, if not better than I can. And so that's what you're selling is your, your book of processes so that they can, then that new buyer can step in. If they have to create any of that, you're devaluing your business. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm, I need to read that book too. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you on the, like when I sold my business, 
the process didn't start like the day before the business was sold. It started like a year in advance and I worked and I actually, I'm recording a podcast episode on this soon too, but um, only because I get questions (laughs) about this pretty much every single day. Why did you, why did you sell your business? How did you sell your business? If I want to sell my business, what do I need to do? So those are the three questions I get all the time. But I will say, just since we're on the topic of of selling a business, is that yes, you need to plan ahead and profit is like king. They care about profit, not so much about your, you know, 40,000 Instagram followers, but which is considered an asset. But you know, you need to have profit and you also need to have like what you just said, all those financials in place, updated. You can't have like two years of your QuickBooks just not done. I mean, you won't have a business to sell. So yeah, totally agree with you. <laughs> um, and how do you know if you're profitable if you don't have bookkeeping in place? Yeah. You know, you have to have the yeah. bookkeeping in place to even know if you're profitable and to track that over time. Yeah. Um, profit Super is important, important, but so is paying mm-hmm. yourself. So mm-hmm. uh, you're paying yourself having the right team in place and, uh, and the right systems in place. So, um, yeah, I can't reinforce this enough, but knowing your numbers on a regular basis throughout the year is going to help you be able to make those business decisions. So when we work with our clients, they get they get financials either weekly, monthly, or quarterly. That gives you like for, for our monthly clients, that gives them 11 opportunities per year to see if they're making a profit, what they need to change in their business, what can they shift? How can they shift it to make sure that they are running a profitable profitable business and learning from their mistakes and, and, um, able to take on new opportunities. I love that. That's amazing. Um, I want you to talk about your services. I just have one last quick question. I promise. What is your favorite? What is your favorite, like money or financial book that you've read? Money or financial book. Um, or any, I mean, really, I guess any business book is cool, but since you're a numbers person, I thought you might have like, I don't know, some really cool book that you like. Yeah. I, so I always say profit or the built to sell is my absolute favorite book. Okay. Um, oh, wow. I also love profit first. Um, I think Mike Michalowicz okay. lays it out in a way that I is need to that down too. I need to read that book. Um, get the, Sorry. get the, get the summary. Um, I use Blinkist and uh, it summarizes all the books. Um, it's, it does a great summary, but it's it's a really nice framework. I just don't want people to get hung up. I always, I'm like, oh, should I suggest that one? But <laughs> I just don't want people to get hung up on his percentages that he talks about, but I like the concept of paying yourself, saving for your taxes. So that's really important. Um, from a personal standpoint, I love like rich dad, poor dad, um, Tony mm. Robbins. He has a book, um, money. I'm blanking on the name. Uh, we could put it in the show notes. Um, <laughs> Tony Robbins has a money book that he, it's more about investing, but I think okay. it's really important for us to understand our money as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Like we get, we can get really caught up in, in thinking about just making a really profitable business, but for what, like what wealth are you creating? Are you taking the money home personally and then just spending it all on clothes? Like, or are you investing it in creating generational wealth? And, and so knowing our numbers and our business is important to be able to serve our personal life. And then we need to watch what we're doing in our personal life so that it can help us serve our business and continue to build our businesses. Um, you know, we talked a lot about getting yourself paid and making sure that you're on payroll or, or owner's draw from day one. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do with that? And for, what do you do with that, that money? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I love that. I'll have to check out the other book too. I need to start reading more. So I love getting book suggestions from people. Um, okay. This was so amazing. I feel like I've learned so much from you. So thank you. Tell everyone what services you offer, how you can help people. And then where people can find you. Yeah. Um, kickstartaccountinginc.com is our website. Um, we help entrepreneurs understand their numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. My, our entire mission was to help people understand their numbers, but we quickly realized that business owners first and foremost need to have bookkeeping in place that is on time and accurate and 
um, that way we can look at the numbers and understand them. So, um, you know, our first order of business when we work with our clients is to help them get their, we use our strategic framework to set up their books, make sure that everything is organized, uh, stays organized in, in their, their correct accounting systems. And then we serve as their accountability partner. So, it's not just the day-to-day bookkeeping, but actually reviewing the numbers with them on a regular basis. We provide our clients with their financial reports, which I'm pretty sure most of our clients don't open the Excel file, which is fine. I know it can pretty much be in gibberish. (laughs) (laughs) However, we pull out the key performance indicators. We pull out the summary so that you can stay really high level as a CEO and just look at the numbers from an overview without having to get into the weeds of QuickBooks, without having to get into the weeds of every single number. Um, so that's my favorite part about what we do is just helping you stay as the CEO of your business and take this, take one hat. I, I, I want to get a statue of a hat, crazy hat lady. Like mm-hmm. I just want you to be able to take one hat off of your plate of it as an entrepreneur, right? Like let us take one thing off of your plate so that you can focus on your business. Um, so that. yeah, you can find us at kickstartedaccountinginc.com. You can book a call, um, talk about your specific situation and what you have going on. Um, if you are thinking about selling your business at any time in the future, um, we can take a look at your books and make sure that you have the right framework set up and that things are accurate and um, you could get through that due diligence process. We have gone through that with so many of our clients and um, we can make sure that you can successfully go through that process with ease. Um, and then you can also find us on Instagram, Kickstart Accounting. I keep on joking. I don't know how my team is doing it, but they are making accounting funny with all their crazy reels. And so if you are not sure how accounting could possibly be funny, uh, check out our, our reels on Instagram. That's really funny. I love that. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much, Danielle. It was really nice to chat with you today. And I know everyone is going to love this episode because I think like we kind of nailed the hat today. A lot of us think, oh, I'm not a numbers person or like I'm creative. So I don't really need to know this information, but you know, you've really made it clear how valuable it can be for you and all that kind of stuff. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me here. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple podcast and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week.